Hello, welcome to another episode of Healing Yourself. I'm your host, Melissa Connor, and today we're talking about or starting on the subject of beginning to heal yourself from the trauma and distress of the outside world. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Healing Yourself. Um, today, I will not be talking about a certain topic. I will be discussing myself. Um, how's my healing? My healing as an individual is going and what has brought me to this point. Uh, uh, hold on, you guys. I was trying to make sure my computer... don't know what it's doing so we're gonna go on and record while we start um what has brought me to this point um i'm just like every other woman or individual out there that has had family drama relationship drama kids drama marriage drama um i guess i can start with the family so my household was a single parent Mother was divorced from my dad when I was three or four. I was like three. Um, my dad was abused towards my mother. If he actually, if you, anyone asks him today, he'll deny it. But he was abusive, and we all remember that. Um, it started with abuse in the household. Uh, my mom was bouncing around from shelter to shelter until she finally got her somewhere to stay, uh, running from my dad. Because he wanted us to stay with the family, and I guess he threatened her a couple times. And um, she was in fear for her life. So once everything cooled off, we were staying with our grandparents. Um, my mom never seeked counseling. She just kind of, I guess, like every black woman that, during that time, kind of just seen it as the normal and didn't do anything about it. Um, She continued to work for uh, a living. She was a nurse working for a hospital. Um, We was at home. We stayed at home kids. So we would stay with our grandparents. We couldn't stay with our grandparents because they had something to do. We would be um, at home. Uh, and I say that that there in itself was trauma. Trauma for one was us bouncing around, seeing other people going through life events and issues in their life, uh, as, I, as well as our own, uh, not having an actual place to sleep, not knowing what's the next, based off of a decision that your parents was not getting along, or a decision that they did not want to get along. Um, so healing from that trauma, Moving into the fact that, um, I cut out my arms. Uh, <laughs> the trauma of childhood, as I can say, you can't blame your parents from taking care of you. And it took me a long time to accept that. You can't blame them for trying their best to use what they have at that moment in time and to just not beg or feel like they need everyone to help them because it's, it's it's us now that we do not 
like to ask for help. And that's any and every woman. We do not like to ask for help. Um, we would rather figure it out on our own. We would rather uh, be by kids at home. They're old enough. We would rather uh, just do it all by ourselves. <clears throat> so the trauma in that is the love. So for one, kids that stay at home don't feel as loved if someone was there. Because if no one's there, you're only getting love from the other child or kid that is there. And yes, that's still love because you know your siblings love you. But to feel actual love from your parents or your father or your mother is totally different from feeling love from your parents. Because you know your, your siblings. Because you know your siblings, without a doubt, they will always be there for you. Whether they're mad at you or they, they, you know, you're not talking. If you have a good relationship as a younger, as a, in the younger stages of life, you will have a great relationship growing up. Yeah, you might not talk as much, but I think even with that, we date back to when we were kids and we had the most fun in our lives just running around outside and riding our bikes and going fishing and digging in holes. We didn't see it as, oh, these are great moments at that time. We were just being kids. And then you look back as a, as an older or adult, older adult, you see like, oh, that was, that was fun. Those were the moments I, I enjoy. Like I enjoy walking through the woods and I don't know where I was going, you know, <clears throat> as they say now it's called grounding, like hugging trees or grounding yourself, taking off your shoes and putting your feet in the grass. Uh, yes, we did that a lot as kids. Uh, we did not have, TVs or PlayStations or phones at my age. And I might be giving out my age, but yes, we did not have all that. All we had was maybe one TV. It was the oldest TV that you could possibly think of. And all we had was the, what do you call it? The, the, the satellites, the little antennas that you could put on the wall. And it only came on at night because it's the only time we picked it up. And I think that was like at five or six. And you can go watch all the shows on TV without having any issues. Um, next trauma would be, I guess, high school. I had my own issues as a girl growing up. I had a twin, but, you know, each girl is different. I didn't have issues with, like, bullying because I think my school was... Well, I didn't experience bullying. I always experienced and just me, myself stance and being myself you know because i would still go and come with my twin to school or walk to school because we stayed so close at that point um we just walked to school together and then after that we you know we still was in the class together but we kind of stayed to ourselves we didn't like talk talk as much as we talk now um it probably would have benefited us more but i don't think we really was focused on our issues you know we was more focused on being popular, being, you know, having friends, hanging out, learning in school or falling asleep in class. It was a different dynamics than it is now. I guess when you get older, you have a whole new ball game of things you want to learn, do, and accomplish. When I think we should be thinking of things then that we would like to accomplish in our life instead of thinking about it as we get older. But on to my next trauma. Um, 
I did have daddy issues and I don't think my dad realized until like two years ago. And I didn't talk to my dad when I was in high school for like a year and a half. Um, I wanted to play basketball and my parents wasn't very supportive of me. Well, my mom was supportive, but my dad was not supportive because my mom needed, my dad helped to pay for my uniforms and to pick me up and drop me off. And I got cursed out for just wanting to be, you know, out there playing basketball. My dad thought I was going to be out there hot and being with the guys. And all I wanted to do was just play basketball. And so I got cursed out and I wasn't supported. And so at that point, I did not play basketball. It took about two more years before I decided to play basketball. Um, And at that point, I was able to drive myself to practice and I didn't need anyone to pick me up or drop me off. Um, my dad and I didn't talk for a good year and a half. And even when he did try to talk to me, I just didn't have nothing to say to him. I mean, it was like, Ooh, I'm disgusted by you. Like, why? Like, why, why are you treating me like this? What do I, what did I do to you to, as a child to make you so angry? And I never got the answer that I wanted, and that caused a trauma. Um, Even now, I still haven't got the answer that I wanted. I seek counseling. I seek talking to my other siblings. I seek talking to my grandparents. I seek talking to my mom. And I don't think I will ever get the answer that I'm looking for because about... Two or three months ago, my dad told me, he was like, oh, I'm sorry because I wasn't the guy that you guys wanted me to be. And I think he kind of got where we wanted, what kind of dad we did want. And he felt as though it was too late. And in the back of my head, I'm like, it's never too too late to be that guy. You can always change to be that guy. If you know what type of fi- dad, uh, father figure we would all like, even at this age, we, we would still love to see that man, even in you right now. But I don't think it clicked in his head. He was just, you know, in the moment. Uh, my next trauma would be moving from Alabama to Texas. Um, I don't think it was... Technically, it was a trauma. It was more of a life change, but the traumas of getting a job, paying for rent when I never paid rent in my entire life, going to college at the same time, and still trying to work. So I went from my parents paying for everything to me paying for everything, and it was I don't think it was trauma, but it was a life change. If, if that considered consistent trauma, I would say I have little here and there. I think my most traumatic events was me getting back and forth to college because it was an hour away. So I think my car broke down a couple of times. I had to stay with someone out in the country just to get to college, get to the dorms, um, not to the dorms, to the uh, campus. And I went to PV, y'all. At Pearview and m and I lived in Houston at that time, and 
traveling from Houston to PV was, oh my God, it was, it was a whole different ball game. I, I don't know like how to describe it because I went from driving everywhere in the country to driving from Houston. Like I didn't see a difference. Everybody, oh, that's pretty far. You, you driving it every day. And I was like, yeah, like it was normal. It was normal in Alabama because it took us an hour to get to a mall or it took an hour to get to a Walmart or an hour to get, you know, it was normal in my head, but it's not normal in everyone else's head that stayed in Houston. So, you know, trying to figure out how to get back and forth to college, how to pay for college and that one trauma led to another and I joined the military. And so me and my sister, cause I, I kind of was going to like leave my sister. I know she was my twin, but it was my idea to say, Hey, I will, I would like to go to the military to help pay for college. And she was like, well, what do I supposed to do? And I was like, girl, what do you want to do? And she, well, I want to go with you. And I was like, Okay, well, what are you going to do? We can go sign up today. And so one step led to another. We signed up for the military. Well, we signed up for the Air Force first. And the Air Force did not want to send us together. They wanted to send us at two separate times. So we did not go with the Air Force. We went with the Army because the Army wanted to put us on a buddy system where we stayed together the whole time we were in the military. And we preferred that over anything. And so... We went about a month and my aunt picked us up because she was coming through Texas and we went to we went to North Carolina where my mom was staying at the time. <clears throat> and then we went from there. My cousin, who's a recruiter, he picked us up and we went to New Jersey. So we was traveling like a couple of states before we got to where we needed to be. And we stayed in New Jersey probably about a month, a month and a half. But we joined the military. We signed up. We had to take our tests. We stayed at our cousin's house for a while. And it was snow. It was most snow i ever seen. Um, it was fun, though. It was cold. I remember that. And his kids was always up before the dawn. It was like, oh, my God. I enjoyed staying with my cousin. But his kids were the, dynamic, the, the main <laughs> the main thing that I remember. That they would wake up and ask us about Nemo and how to find Nemo. And I remember that like it was yesterday where I did enjoy staying with my cousin at that time. Um, next would be the trauma of military. Um, yes, you do go through basic training, which is a trauma in itself. And people don't say that, but yes, they send you through the ups and downs, the depression, the crying. And then, will I make it? Will I not make it? Am I good enough? I'm going to get this part. I'm they is like you're always uncomfortable. If that, that one type of part of being an entrepreneur is being uncomfortable, you was always uncomfortable because you didn't know what was about to happen next. So you get there and you and being yelled at and cursed out to get off the bus. Once you get off the bus, you have to drop, you have to do push-ups, you have to get all your stuff, you pick up your stuff, you run to the to the front of the 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 dock, and when you get to the dock, you have to throw all your clothes out on the ground. They go through your clothes, they tell you what you can keep, they tell you what you can't keep. Then they take all your stuff that you can't keep and you put it in a bag and they lock it up and they give you a, a 
uh, so many things that uh, then you're going through a list, you know, what do I need? What do I don't need? What they finna hand me? What I'm finna put in my bag? And you go upstairs and you put your stuff up and then you come back downstairs and they take you over here to a, uh, a facility and you go through here and you grab clothes, uniforms, helmets, Kevlar, all, you know, everything uniform for a military, you go through there and grab and then you put all that in the back and then you go back and you put it on your back and you go back and you put it on. And you make sure it fits and they show you how to put it on, how you put your boots on, how you put your pants on, how you put your, like, it was, it was detail for detail. If anybody ain't been in the military, I don't know how many of my followers out there are fans. Been to the military, you know, before they took out the drill sergeants and added the, I don't know, sergeant, training sergeant, training sergeant, drilling sergeant. I don't know what they call it now. But at that point in time, I had a drill sergeant. And so I get cursed out. I had to drop. I had to do push-ups. And anything you could possibly think of back then was happening at that point in time. And so once you get in there, you start doing everything. You get relaxed and you get to knowing how the flow of the military goes for training. You kind of get relaxed and you'd be like, okay, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do fine. I just got to pass my physical fitness test and... I'll be fine on this part because <clears throat> basic training, just the physical part, you still have to go from there based off your orders. If you have orders, you have to go from there to your duty station. And some people don't always go to the duty station. Some people go home before they go to the duty station. They go, you know, over here to complete another class that has to do with their job description and then go to another one for their duty station. So, I went to training in South Carolina and my training was, wasn't intense. It was pretty laid back, but I was driving. I was a driver and I drove 18 wheelers, the regular, you know, Hummers. I did the whole thing and it was, it was, it was, it was good. It was fun. I was not feeling like I was depressed or anything like that. The only thing that got me depressed was always thinking about my brother, making sure he was okay. Cause me and my sister left him in Houston and sending him money and making sure, you know, nothing happened to him, which he eventually joined the military. Um, once I got back and me and my sister graduated with through his training, the trauma training was over. I think we needed counseling just for the yelling. I think anybody would probably, because they used to come in, knock trash cans over, and hopping them by just sleep because you don't know what's going on. And then I think the most dramatic is the low crawl where they're shooting bullets over your head, and you're trying to get through that. And it's it's one thing after the next. It's just like, okay. So, yes, I, I feel like everybody that's go through basic training or go through any type of military training need counseling afterwards because you go through so much at one time. Some of that causes triggers, which it did cause triggers for me and my sister. And I think the triggers were the knocking of the trash can over. And every time one of our, like she's married now, but when her boyfriend or my boyfriend, you know, knocked something over or knocked on the door, we would bounce up out of our sleeps and be like, oh my God, you know. And then he would, oh, baby, it's, it's cool. It's calm, calm down, you know, because it was, it was, it was to the point where, any little tap or any little any little thing that was too loud and in my mind would trigger and it would pop me up out of my sleep which is probably good for the military but it's not good outside of the military because people think something wrong with you because you really like skipping over the fact when you wake up it's like you shoot up and that's what my sister and i always did 
Um, so it took a long time for us to calm mentally to the point where we can just wake up normally again. But yes, that's a trauma. After that trauma leads me into the traumas of life again, finding a job and completing college yet again uh, with the help of the military. Finding a job was not easy. I'm not going to tell anyone that. When I first moved back to Houston, my hardest thing was to find a job. And I know now, this is 2023, they probably were giving jobs away left and right. Back then in 2006, they were not giving jobs away left and right. You really was filling out application after application after application after application after application. And at that point, I didn't have any work experience besides a gas station. And, oh, you don't have enough experience. Oh, you don't have enough experience. Look, ma'am. Look, sir. I just want to get in and get a job. That's how I was at that point. I think anyone out there, if you're listening to me and you're in a manager or you're in the position of a boss and a kid comes in 15 or 16 years old, I don't think they're going to have any experience working anywhere. They need a job. A job. But you're taking a risk because this day and age, these kids ain't built like the kids when we was kids. Like, you really got to think about doing the harm. And I think that's how they treated it then when I first went to be like, they thinking about it like, oh, is this generation going to stay? Well, my generation was the type we were some hardworking people. We were staying. We weren't going nowhere. We wanted the job until we got another job and then continue on at that job. Now, as we grew older, yes, a lot of my people in my generation have become business owners or more educated on what they want in life and they get to the point where they want to work for themselves or build their own business. And then that's how it's supposed to be, I would think. You work at a job for a certain amount of years, you either retire or you move on. And a lot of people at this point have retired or moved on. My next trauma would be to Yeah. My next trauma was me going to learning, going through learning how to ride a horse while dating my ex-husband. And so I didn't know at that time that he would be my ex-husband because I was not prepared to even marry the man. I was more like, do I even want to date him? Because I had two options. I had him and I had a guy that I had met online and I have never met the guy online, but I was like, oh, let me, let me. Do I really want to talk to him or do I want to continue with this relationship with the guy I'm talking to? So, I picked my ex-husband over the guy that was online. Now, I will get back to the guy online because in the end, I still come back and date this guy. So, carry on. That trauma, um, my ex-husband wasn't the greatest guy when I first met him, but I didn't see all his flaws. I seen some of his flaws. The flaws that I seen was um the five kids and four baby mothers um no job at that time he was a farrier um what else no specific place to stay and i did see all these flaws but then i was like okay do i want to just date him and see where it goes or do i want to date him and just you're rocking like a hot like okay what's up with but i think i seen something in him that made me stay. And well, I got married to him because I was 
already pregnant. We stayed together for two years, two and a half years before I got pregnant. And then, and then we got married. So everything was fine up until I had Michael, my son. Um, I think the traumas came before I had my son and my decision to stay became my only because my ex was very abusive that was where most of my traumas that's what i mostly thought about when i created this podcast the working class woman the woman that's out there trying to really decide if she wants to stay with the man is, is it about her child um i'm paying all the bills type woman like i i feel for those i don't want anyone out there that if you're listening to my podcast i didn't want any woman to go through the same thing i went through and that was choosing to stay I chose to stay. I got married. Um, I was in domestic violence. So we went a full year and a half, mostly fighting, even after we had our son. And my decision before I had my son was, I even got counseling because I was just like, do I need to stay? Is he going to be a better man if I get married to him? Is I asked every question that you could possibly ask before I married him or before I had Michael. It was just like, will he take care of his kids? He's not taking the care of the kids, you know, fully that he already had with the ladies that he had before. Um, the communication is the communication even better. I, even now to this day, I got married because of my son. I was one of those women that was like, I wanted to, you know, I got married, but I wanted to work with the dad. Like, there's so many black women out there that focus on yes let, making it work and i think it's the men it's never was us but i think at that point in time it was both of us we both did not know what marriage was we both did not know how to communicate we did not know how to run a family because we didn't have nothing to go off of we didn't have friends that cared about us enough to sit us down and say hey this is what you go through when you get married and we wasn't putting ourselves in a position to succeed. We was putting ourselves in a position to fail because we did not reach out to any of his people to be like, okay, where do we go once we get married? Or what do we do? Or what are the steps do we need to sit down and talk about it? Do we need counseling? Like we did not do any of that. We got married at a courthouse and, and that was it. We expected something to change between each one of us, but we never changed. We ourselves never changed. We didn't grow into a better relationship after we got married. It, it kind of got worse and that what led us to a divorce. Um, that trauma itself, I did get counseling for it. Um, it took me four years before I moved on from my divorce. Um, after that, Michael's dad did not want any part of his life. Um, he became very violent. Uh, so violent to the point he kicked in my door and said he wanted his family back after his this was all after his mother died the same night and he took my son well he threw me against the sliding door on the floor broke my phone and took our son out of the apartment and i picked myself up and ran upstairs to my neighbor's apartment to actually use their phone to call the police because he had took our son but 
as I was getting into her apartment, I heard my little boy crying and I ran back downstairs. He was left in the parking lot. So he decided not to take him, but to leave him sitting in the middle of the road in the parking lot crying. And yes, it was very, very traumatic. Um, I don't know, you know, if this helps anyone, but yes, um, I ended up filing a domestic violence case against him and he ended up going to jail for six months. I wouldn't put that on anybody. I wouldn't suggest even, uh, even though we were not together, um, I don't think any of that would have changed how he felt because I don't know how, you know, I never sat down and talked to him as to how he felt because I know all his emotions stem from the fact that his mother passed away. And so maybe in the back of his head, once his mom played, he might have felt like this could have been avoided if my mom would have stayed with my dad. You know, I don't know. I just only, it's only a subject or a theory that I'm coming up with in my own head, um, talking to multiple counselors. Because I never looked at it that way until I talked to someone and I was like, maybe, you know, that was what he went through. But to use violence was not, it was not the answer. I think the best way, if it's a man or a woman out there listening to it, would be communication. And if you feel like your man or your wife or your woman or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband is in that position where they or you feel as they are asking, acting out and want to become violent. I suggest calling a friend before he or she kick the door in, tap your car, call your friends first. Um, no, your friends can't always, you know, you're going to still feel some type of way because they were there. But I feel like if I would have had my sister or I would have had a friend there, it would have been avoided. Um, because I was like, I can talk to him. I can, I can figure this out because he was knocking on the door for a while before I even decided to even communicate with him through the door. And it was like, you can tell like he was getting louder and louder. And it was just like, you know, you could tell that the person that you're talking to or communicating, even on the phone, that they're becoming to the point where they're going to become violent. And at that point, I feel as though anyone out there should go ahead and call either 911 or call a friend to come by and make sure you're fine. Um, after that, I did seek counseling. Like I said, I seek counseling for about two or three months. And then after that, I went to different, because uh, I was working for the city of Houston. I went and um, mostly just talked to the people that was there that I work with. They knew that if you know if something happened because i let them know what happened and they was like well if he comes to the to the facility then we'll make sure the security guard or the police is here in case he tried it tried again but he never tried it again it was always to the point where we'll meet somewhere just for him to see michael and it got to the point that he didn't do that anymore because i guess he couldn't act out in a police station or a fire station or or mall or restaurant it was to the point that you know, it was, he could only go to certain uh, places with this, to, 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 oh, excuse me, 
to see him. It had to be a, a um, monitored visitation. So he had to be somewhere out in the public or at a police station or a fire station or any type of department of defense uh, facility to where he can see him. Um, it took years. It took about two or three years before I myself decided to take Michael back to see his father. Um, even then, I didn't feel as safe with my son being there with him because I know the type of person he is. Um, even now, you know, he don't see him now, but I think that was from the fact that I kind of like just quit because, oh, I'm telling all y'all my secret, all my business, but it's okay. It is, this may, may help some lady or man out there. Um, it had got to the point where I was taking my son because he wouldn't pay for gas or anything. He don't pay for anything. It was me basically driving, you know, back and forth to drop my son off to his father. And just so that I was always to the fact that I would love for him to still spend time, even though he's a, not the person that I would want him to be, that still not, not, did not, you know, sit there and say, hey, why wouldn't you let your son see your kid? I'm not going to create the excuse, and that's what I wasn't going to do. And so I still took my son, even though he wasn't paying for anything, even though he wasn't doing anything, I still took him on the weekend to see his father. But it had got to a point where his other child's mother, um, we got in an argument because he has not, he had not made it back one night. And I had called his phone several times to get my son. And she, I guess, was always threatened by me. So I knocked on the door one day and and I said, hi, I'm here to pick up Michael. And, you know, I called, you know, my ex-husband several times and he's not answering the phone, but he didn't know I was coming. And she got loud with me and cursed me out. She was like, oh, don't you knock on my goddamn door ever again. And I was like, hold up now. I done knocked on this door for 200 some times. Like, on this day, you gonna tell me I cannot knock on this door to pick up my child? Like, it does not make sense. And for whatever reason, her head, she was just steady cursing me out. And, you know, I think any woman at that point in time is only so far you can go before you start back getting angry. And I was not able to control my emotions. And so I cursed her back out and I called my son's father again and he still did not answer the phone i sat there maybe two seconds walking out the door and he pulling up and i was like something is wrong with your child's mother blah 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 and he gets out i guess they was arguing or whatever he gets out start cursing me out and telling don't ever knock on my door don't ever come to my yard i'm just like hold up what is going on i missed the whole point y'all i missed the whole thing and i was like look don't touch me you're like, oh, so that's a threat. I was like, you take it how you want if you want it to be a threat. You might want to call the police. Don't touch me ever again. And he pushed me. And so at that point, I took it as the same thing. I had a trigger. I'm going to let everyone know that was a trigger. They went over my head and I went to my car. And I said, you can either let my son come with me now. And you don't have to worry about us anymore. And like, well, I'm going to call the cop. I said, you do whatever you can feel is this safe for you because you're not going to ever touch me again. And so my son walks up to me and he said, mommy, I got to get my backpack. I said, baby, don't worry about your backpack. 
And so his dad comes out and drops his backpack on the ground. I take the backpack and I put it in the car and I drive off. Because at that point, it had turned into a point where I didn't want to be either bothered with him anymore. I know it was for my son, but that was that right there was too stressful for anyone. Like, we finna get in a whole fight because whatever you and your other child's mother is going through, you done took it out on me. And she just took it out on me, and it was just like, no, I will not. Like, if y'all can't communicate between each other, that has nothing to do with me. I am just here to drop off my son, and then go on about my life. It was about him. It was not about neither one of them. And so at that point, that was the last time that I, myself, dropped my son off. At that point, I told him we would have to meet to for him to uh, pick up his son up. And to this day, he has not put any effort towards me anywhere. And we stay in the same city. We stay in the same city. He don't pay for anything still. He don't pay for nothing. Outside of maybe he might buy a a toy or he might buy some clothes. And then that's it. And then it'll go another five or six months. Let's say a natural disaster, which it did. We had several natural disasters here in Houston. Not once did he call and say, hey, let me check on my son. Let me see how my son doing. So those traumas, yet again, another trauma. And that I got to heal from. I have to seek out counseling yet again to talk to someone to relieve my, my stress and to to make myself better so that I don't feel bad about the decision of not letting my son see his father because his his father is very violent um i went two more years before i found another great guy in a relationship um that relationship ended bad also um i guess i still wasn't fully healed from my previous marriage um it was like a cycle and i and i noticed it after a year with my ex-boyfriend um what a couple boyfriends baby um once you feel once you realize that you're going in a cycle from every relationship to every relationship i suggest not dating someone for a year or two because well, it took me four or five years so i at that point i start seeking not counseling but like healing and in relationship advice because i said maybe i am doing something wrong or maybe i don't know how to communicate to the point where my significant other or my friend or my boyfriend does not understand me so i started reading books on relationship and communication and money because that right there got me to where i was i started following I think I started seeking out like Nipsey Hussle and like Keith with a great girl or in London. I was like, oh, let me see. Let me start watching different people to see like what is it that keeps them going. And then one thing led to the next. I started taking courses, start cl- uh, taking classes. I even started listening to a podcast. I think it called Healing Heal Something. I, don't, I forgot because I was listening to it for a while. It was a great podcast. And then they started talking about polygamy and gay people and I don't have nothing against polygamy. I don't have nothing against anybody that's gay, but I, I kind of was just with the whole healing of communications and relationship advice. And I love that part of the podcast. 
So I don't know exactly. You can Google it or research the podcast, but it was a great podcast. Are they somewhere overseas, Australia or Canada or somewhere? They from another country. I know that, but they used to live in the U.S. Um, but I listened to their podcast for over a year and the stuff that they talked about, you know, communicating, uh, your triggers, finding your traumas, healing from your traumas, accepting some traumas because you can't heal from um, knowing when you have been triggered and being able to control those triggers and um, tool communication, how to keep your man and what it is it did. And then the five love languages, how do you, you know, what is your love language? What is your man's love language? How can you better serve him with that love language? It kept, it kept going on and on about different ways to communicate and continuing to be able to communicate to your significant other. And I didn't get that until after my last relationship. That relationship, my longest last, my, my last longest relationship did end. And it ended on the fact that we, well, he decided to break up with me, but I was to the point that I was ready for marriage, but I didn't want to get married. I was ready for marriage, but I was getting myself in a point where we need counseling before we decide on if we're going to continue as a relationship or are we going in the right direction to be married. And he ended the relationship because I guess he thought that I wanted marriage, which some guys see counseling as being a point where you're going to get married. We was not to that point, and I knew that. But it was to the point where our communication was very poor and I was seeking out counseling on that aspect of being able to better communicate with my boyfriend. And that's what I was doing. And for whatever, it went over his head and that did not end well either. But it wasn't to the point that I needed counseling. I think I was more, well, I needed counseling, but it was on more of the aspect of him not hurting me. It was on the aspect of being torn by love you know and so i needed counseling on how to let go because i did still truly love him and i did not know you know that he how he felt i never got how he felt i never even asked every man on how they felt it always be like okay maybe i was the problem well after several good 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 pain you gotta pay for them y'all you got to pay for some good counselors don't just go out there and think that you know i can go see the pastor i can go talk to my neighbor i can talk to my girlfriend no go pay for the hundred dollar an hour counselors because those are the ones gonna get you where you need to go so after paying for some good counselors they point me in the direction of how to heal myself Yes, you sit down on the couch and they tear you down. Yes, they, they jag and it was like, oh my God. But yes, they ask you every question you could possibly they give you homework and then you sit down, answer all those questions. Then you see where you're at in there and then you, are you working on getting in another relationship? I did not work on any relationship, you know, guys. I just went just me, healing me. And that's what came up with the podcast that I have now, Healing Yourself. Work on yourself. Once you're able to love yourself and be happy by yourself, like literally be happy by yourself, you are fully healed. At that point, you can go search for someone or you can wait on God to send you someone. Now me, don't laugh, y'all. I am waiting because I went searching. 
And online dating is not the same. So if anybody out there, if you want to leave some comments in the description, you can let me know on some good online dating apps because I done did three and it's just like these men on another level. Like a lot of them is just there for sex. And I'm like, hold up, sir. I am not here for sex. I am here for a long-term relationship. If that is not what you're looking for, I am sorry. We are both on our own wrong page. I am so sorry. We can call it quiz. I pay for my own dinner. You pay for your own. We going about our beating. That's what I was doing. I was just like, oh my God. Y'all. I was not prepared. On for that trauma. On to... I think that was it. Once I fully, fully embodied counseling and talking to someone and loving myself and moving closer to God and focused mostly on myself, it was like, oh my God, it's like, it's a click. It's like a click in your, like a relief. Like you were happy with just being in the moment with yourself and what you have accomplished and what you have come to in life. I had come to, you know, being a single mother, being, you know, being able to take care of my own business, paying all my bills, being able to talk to friends and hang out with friends and family, being single. Because most of the people that I hang around are married. And it, it does take a lot on person if you start to notice that. It's just like, oh, my God, everybody married besides me. Yes, it does do a lot to you, but. Once they see that you're still happy being by yourself, then they try to find you someone. And I think I talked about that in my, uh, I think it's episode eight or nine, where it's okay to be single. Don't rush because you can pick up the wrong man. Don't rush being in a relationship. Take your time and follow your own rules. Look for your triggers. Don't be so... Oh, I don't want this out of him. I want him to have good money. I want to be able to sit at home. Look, don't do not do that. Don't do that. If the man is a good man and he's just boring, girl, spice up y'all life. Find something to do. Maybe you're the creative person. It's two opposites. Uh, op- not two opposites, but an opposite and a good and a, a positive, a negative positive connect for a reason. So if he lacking on having fun and you love to have fun, create fun for y'all. You can do it at home. If you like to do movies and y'all ain't having the fun to go to the movies right now, put a movies in the living room. Put a blanket on the on the floor. Put you some pillows. Put a little sprinkle, sprinkle, or some flowers, and sit down and watch y'all movie. You can still pay the same amount of money or probably less at home watching your movie on your big screen. You might want to go buy some surround sound, but the amount of money you're gonna spend in the movie, you can buy some surround sound for a good little price and. Have a movie night at home. Just the, some of the stuff that I listen to now and the reason why women leave me, it's like, girl, really? You leaving him because of what? That's, that doesn't even make sense. Did you even think about it? No, all you thought about oh, was another man out there that could have that. Instead of like, okay, let me deal with what this man got because I might have some flaws myself that he's dealing with to accept me. We're not saints. We should have more to offer these men than just sex. And a lot of these women out here just offering just sex and, oh, I can clean or I can cook. No, they can pay for all that. They can pay for a maid. They can pay for DoorDash, Uber Eats, Lyft, 
Any of that can drop them some off to eat at this point. They don't need you to cook them nothing. They want peace. They want peace at home. All the time. And if they communicate, yes, baby, that food is good, and you going about your business and going out and do your nails and doodle up your hair for the night and get your stuff looking good and smelling good and walk back up in there, then he going to notice you walk by because you're going to smell good. Then you can lead to something else. It's not always about an argument. And try not to focus on arguing with your man every day. If you either listen to my podcast and you argue with your man every day, try arguing, not arguing with him in one day and see where that gets y'all. If he asks you or tell you, baby, let's go out, you sit down and leave a note in my... Hold on, y'all. I've seen some. Oh, I'm getting close, getting close to my time limit. Y'all leave a comment in my description box below. But I would love for everybody to leave me 20 cents. 20 cents. I need to donate to some. And I was wondering if anyone out there would love to donate to my podcast. And the donations will go towards the podcast. I promise you that. Um, it's only 26. You can cash out me or you can PayPal or you can Zell me. And I will leave my PayPal and my cash up below. If you want to do Zell, you can hit me up and I can send you my Zell information. Um, thank you all for your time. Thank you everyone out there for listening to me and my traumas and all the traumas that I had throughout life that I had to heal from because it does not stem from just bad relationships and traumas of life. It stems all the way back to your childhood. Thank you all again. Listen to Healing Yourself. And my name is Melissa Connor. You can hit me up on an email or you can message me in the box, comment boxes below. Thank you all again and good night. Bye.